All right, uh, we get a chance now to chat with uh, someone who's graced the show many, many times through the years, and he's back, uh, you know, getting back involved again at uh, St. Joe's in Connecticut, and that is uh, legendary coach Jim Calhoun. Coach, welcome. How are you? Good, Mike. I hear the bad news. You're leaving. Me. Ah, that's okay. Sorry. It's time. I it's leave, time. I come back and you leave. What that's you it. That? That's it. And then I might have to come back. We'll see. But hey, listen, uh, first of all, how are you feeling? How is the, how's your health? Yeah, things are good. You know, I, 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 when I left, Mike, I was banged up. I had a I had a hip. I had a knee. I had a little problem with cancer. And we were able to solve those problems. And I miss the gym, Mike, man. I, I really, really miss the gym, the kids. And, you know, and, and, and that didn't go away. And I can shoot all the rounds of golf I want. But I guess I'm a coach at heart. And yes, so, you are. And a great yeah. one. And, and well, a great one. You. So, yes. And one of the best one of the best I've ever come across. So, yes, you belong in the gym. So, so really, you're back now. And how hands-on are you going to be? Well, pretty hands-on. Right now, uh, I still work at UConn, um, helping with fundraising and with uh, uh, relationships with them. But, but you know, I'm, so I'm considered so right now a consultant uh, because I work for the state. Uh, and therefore, but... You know, I just came out of a gym watching a six-eight kid from Spain, and uh, uh, at, at Avon Old Farms up here, one of the prep schools. And you know, I'm out recruiting. Um, I help them plan a brand new gym, and with 18 months, we'll have a nice facility. And uh, yeah, so I guess that's pretty hands. So you're going to build this program from scratch? Uh, when they say scratch, Mike. I'm digging down three feet. That's good. I like that, though. You know what? Because if anyone could do it, you've done it. And I've always said this uh, in basketball. What you accomplished at UConn, considering the where, where players are in states, considering where that program was, is the greatest job done by any basketball coach in the century. So, I mean, Kansas State, what he did there was amazing in football, having no players in the state. You, at to build a, a dynasty at UConn, is one of the really great achievements in college basketball history. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I think you and I both know that I was very fortunate in many ways. I worked hard, and we had great assistants, but, and then obviously incredible kids who believed in us early. And that was the key, you know, to get a, kid, a Chris Smith from Bridgeport to say, okay, I'm staying home. And Cliff Robinson from Buffalo, who had a 19-year pro career after that. All the various things that happened, and the Big East. I mean, God rest Dave Garrett's soul, but... I always have said Dave Garrett yep. started something that you and I have talked about before. Yep. Magical, Michael. Magical. You think about when, you, when we went to those games, and I loved the semifinals night in, in Madison Square Garden, 19,000 people, and you have the UConn, Syracuse, Georgetown, St. John's, whoever it may be, I'm telling you, the buzz in that building was high enough to lift it up 30 feet. It was wonderful. I missed that. But it was something that helped make UConn because – we, we, we understood that we couldn't get any kid in the East and that we'd have to take a little different direction. We weren't going to be the St. John's kid initially in New York. We were going to have a tough time going into certain places, to be Georgetown, Villanova, et cetera. So we'd go out and get a, a Ray Allen from South Carolina, and we started getting Kevin Ollie from Los Angeles, and we started getting kids from Israel. And uh, we were able to work it out pretty well. You know, we're talking with the legendary coach Jim Calhoun, who's back, going to be doing, uh, is going to be back building a program at St. Joe's in uh, Connecticut, which is going to be fun to watch. You know, when when Dave and and Mike Trangisi put that together, and their idea of taking these teams in the East that had great traditions and using the markets in the East and developing that way, and of course the Carrier Dome was enormous, uh, enormously important too, but. Uh, 
the first generation of it was built, obviously, on the greatness of a guy back in the league now in Ewing and what Ewing brought to that league. You were really the second. You gave the league that second uh, go-round of greatness with what you did. You know, there was a standard early with what Georgetown did and what they did nationally. And then what you did, you gave them a standard that's in that next generation for the Big East that was so important. They had UConn to cling to for an entire generation, basically what Villanova's doing for them right now in the third generation. But you did that, and you really took them through that whole second part of this league's history you were the bellwether and the thing they could be proud of. Well, I love the Big East. And, I, you know, from a Bostonian to say this, it's hard being a great Celtics guy, trying out for the Celtics, all those kind of things. So I'm a Celtics guy through and through, Boston guy. But a trip to Madison Square Garden, when they say it was the mecca of college basketball, there's no better word spoken. Today, even the NBA, when the Knicks get back good and was the Zingas, they had they had that way at least. I don't think there's any question that between the Big East the carry dome, the genius of Michael Trangisi and Dave Gavis. It, 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 it you know, gave us our own Southeast football in basketball in the Big East, and we're the best in the country. And the great thing about it, and I tell people this, you know, we won a championship as late as 2014, 2011, 2004. Syracuse got a championship in there. So we were still very relevant even after the day was no longer running the league. And even though we had lost, uh, say, a B.C., I think it was 205, 206. But, but the league, and you, you couldn't have said it better, what Dave's genius was to capture these cities and, and to have this urban environment turn to a magical place. And because that's the birthplace of basketball, always has been the cities. And, of course, Indiana will, will come with that. But, I, 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 you know, I remember the early when I was at Northeastern looking at, you know, all the great players. As you said, Patrick oh, yeah. and Chris. And Walter, you see, I mean, I don't have to say any more. Maybe not today. Some people wouldn't recognize those words. Well, those words are pretty special. Absolutely. And I remember the game that put you on the map against against Villanova, a gr- one of the great NCAA tournament games I ever saw with your Northeastern team. One of the best games I ever saw in the NCAA tournament that game. And, well, that, was, and that was really the game that put you on the map. Well, I think so. And I, I also appreciate that. But I think that people don't realize that, that I've never forgotten that game. Triple overtime. Lenny Wirtz, who's a good man, but made two bad calls down the stretch. Not that I remember, Mike. But <laughs> <laughs> a coach never forgets, you know. And either Italian or Irishman never forgets either. The Irishman never forget, but don't do anything about it. The Italians get you back. <laughs> but you don't say it. I, I think we all feel those things. And I remember the, the great Louis Conoseca, and I mean the great, not only as a man, but just a coach and just person. Louis Conoseca, after that triple O time, he was going to play, I think, Alabama right after that. And Nassau Coliseum, and he walked into our locker room and said, if you guys aren't as proud as you possibly can be of what you've done, it's incredible. And, you know, our kids were floating on those words of the great Louis Conoseca. I remember being in the studio that day at CBS, and there's a whole tournament going on, and everyone riveted to that game, one of the great games that was played at the Nassau Coliseum in, in that triple overtime game, never forget it, was one of the great NCAA tournament games I ever saw. And like I said, it led you to, obviously, you on your way into the Big East after that. We're talking with Jim Calhoun. As you build this thing, did you ever think as a coach that you'd see the game become as, as a reliant on the three-point as it has on every level of basketball? 
Well, you know, we, we lead by the pros, and that's what's really changed the game. Years ago, I think that a lot of us who played, you know, we were very fortunate enough to, to play the Russian national team, Andrew Gaze at, at, at the Australian national team, some of these great teams. Of course, Andrew later played at Seton Hall, but, but point being is that we saw that, Mike, and we didn't know the devastating effect it could have on a game when you can shoot 38%. And and still be as good as fifty one percent. You know it, it, the the math kind of gets you. But I'm not an analytical guy. And the one thing I miss, I miss passing. I miss the, the, the I know the kickout passes are nice, and I know inside out's great, and that's the best way it should be done in my opinion. But I can't stand the dribbling, 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 and then a shot. And I'm not being. I love the game. I love the excitement. I've watched terrific games, and I love all. I watched Michigan State and Duke the other night. Yeah, so did I. Yeah. Yeah, great, great basketball. But I, I but I'm a more I'd like to see us go back to not think that coming down and, and, and casting up a uh, three-point shot is the answer to all, all evils. And, you know, actually it creates evils as opposed to, to eliminate them. And I just think that, uh, that, that I have a problem a little bit with the fact of uh, going back to that uh, great team, the Celtics, and I could go back there, when they had Bird, McHale, and Parrish up front, and Ainge and DJ in the backcourt. Yep, great and team. I say that. That team averaged 113 points a game and not a speed demon in the bunch because the ball flew up the court and never touched the court. And I think uh, the Russian, great Russian team, same thing. The great teams could make magic with the game. I think we're losing a little bit of that. I love watching LeBron go coast to coast and all that kind of stuff. And Curry's a wonderful, wonderful player and shooter. Durant, same thing. But I'd like to see the game evolve back to to more five man than than one on one. Curry has Curry has really had an impact because of his lack of size and people thinking they could somehow duplicate what he's done. They can't because his range on that jump shot and his ball handling are just enormously special, as we know. Keeps better form on a long shot than anybody I've ever seen, and uh, and can just flick it, you know, thirty five feet. But you, now there's no such thing as a bad shot in these games anymore. They take any shot. No, analytical. You know, if, for example, they go to the analytical and they try and tell me that don't offer to rebound. I was fortunate enough over my years at Northeastern and and Yukon uh, to have my team leave the country and rebound 14 different times. I really believed in rebounding. But they say in the NBA, Mike, if you offer to rebounds, you're going to give up more layups than you get offer to rebounds point wise. I get that, but it kind of takes away a lot of. It does. It does. Yeah. You see in the NBA, they concede the rebound because they got to get back on defense. Well, just like you said about Curry, that's this game. If you were a great officer rebound in college, like Tom Izzo's teams have been, you got a good chance to win games that way. We're not the NBA. Guys can't just get at 25 feet full speed and make shots. And I just think, very simply, that you're right. Curry had a lot to do with it. But I got a chance with Ray Allen. And, and Curry to play golf uh, three years ago. Uh, Curry is a great golfer. Now, he's not a great golfer in the PGA sense, but for the average guy who goes out and plays. Really talented, right? Very talented, uh, yeah. Well, and, and you know what that tells us, Mike? His hand and eye coordination. Tremendous. Well, yeah, his ball handling is phenomenal. Everyone talks about his shot. His ball handling is unbelievable. Well, he takes himself and creates space almost better than anybody I've ever seen. Now, he's the greatest player I've ever seen? No. But he is a terrific offensive player. And the thing is, with all of our kids, and you think about Ray, you think about Ben Gordon, some of those guys, they had to get shot ready and could do great jobs when they shot and they were incredible shooters. This guy takes a, a, a second, and he's shot ready. And you're right. He seems to be off balance. Next thing I know, he's stroking up there. If you look at the hand and the arm, it's perfect. The rest so, of it may not be. He's terrific. 
We're talking with Jim Calhoun, who uh, fortunately for everybody in Connecticut is back in uh, basketball at St. Joe's in uh, Connecticut as he'll build the program, I'm sure, quickly from the ground up. Uh, the most underrated great coach of all time. You know, they mention all these guys, and, you know, nationally, uh, I think it's part of being at UConn a little bit. There's a little bit of a, a bias. They don't mention you enough because, I mean, with the three championships you have and some of the stuff you did in, the, in those games, I mean, the great went over Duke when they beat that great team, upset that great team, and also the way you coached the Georgia Tech game when your big guy got in foul trouble in a championship game. You took a lot of chances in that game, and that was a you got paid back in the second half, but that was a very, a really, a, I thought a, that night a great coaching display by what you did. Took a big chance in that game, and uh, you wound up paying off, but you had some big days and big games. Well, I had a lot of great kids. You know, I just very simply, you know, I'm one of those guys who tries to win every day, and I thought if we won every practice, we'd win a lot more games. And I think that, unlike uh, Mike, my guy, and I loved him as a player, but, but, but Iverson, who I loved as a player at the Peta, he said, practice? Yeah. See, we built that practice. And you know, I was talking to one of my kids today who was actually just going off to play in Iceland. You know, a lot of our kids who aren't NBA players play elsewhere. But anyways, we were talking about what practice is like. And we made you, Mike, compete. So it's, you, you got the Kimball Walkers of the world competing against uh, A.J. Prices of the world, et cetera. And all of a sudden, practice was, was sometimes many more, much more difficult than the game. So we always felt that we were prepared for whatever it came along. And one of the guys, the greatest coach I've seen now in eSport, uh, the guy down in, in, in with New England Patriots, Belichick, there isn't anything they haven't seen because he sees everything at practice. I mean, they had a play the other night uh, when the guy runs into the end zone, they get a safety. And they, then they went on the next day to talk about how many times they saw that, letting the, letting the guy go backwards. And then, get, I mean, just get practice that. I mean, that's the genius. And I think that's what all good coaches do. Let me give you a, a Bob Knight expression about this, kind of. Bob Knight said, the reason that you practice so hard is because mistakes will kill you much more than great plays will make you. And I thought that was a great statement because it's really true. You can't turn it over in football, particularly. You can't turn it over in basketball. Great plays will only keep you there. Mistakes will kill you. And we're talking about one of the great coaches in Jim Calhoun. I never met a great coach, and I've been lucky enough to meet a bunch who didn't love practice. I mean, might not like the recruiting, might not like dealing with the alumni or the media, but loved practice because that's when you went to work. Well, at 9 o'clock in the morning, you come in, and UConn didn't have to do this as much, but in high school in Northeastern, and I'm maybe back at St. Joe's, I'll be turning lights on. When you turn those lights on, getting ready for the kids to come in, you expect to get, win that day and accomplish something very special with a group of kids. There's nothing like getting on a bus or a plane or wherever it may be, and a group of people that worked hard for months and months and worked hard all week to, to go play a Syracuse or go play a, a great team. There's nothing more special. I, I tell people this. It, it, you can't replicate it. And for me, as a high school coach, and we ended up in, in a league when I was in high school coach and won 18-0. And people say, you know, how special was your match of championships? 80,000. But the only 2,000 night we did that. But they're all special because it's still the purpose of doing something special together. You know, you know, you had a lot of great players come through UConn. You know, John Wooden said, asked them once, uh, you know, all the great players he had from Walton to Jabbar and everybody else. I said, yep. what player was your favorite player? And he said, the guy that I saw my philosophy and myself through was Mike Warren. I ran in Mike Warren's jersey, and Mike Warren was the player I most felt uh, a kinship to. 
Was there one player in the history of your program that you saw what you embodied what you thought about basketball or you kind of had a kinship with through all those great players? It might not be the best player. It might have been a bench player. Who knows? Was there one well, guy that was like that? Well, actually, two guys actually probably were pretty close to where I, I wanted the game and thought the game should be, and that's Kemba Walker and, God rest his soul, Reggie Lewis. And here's the reason why. When they practice, Mike, or they were in the gym, they were in their, their own heaven. And you know, they love the game so much, and they play so hard. And I'm, you can see it with Kemba particularly. The joy of the game was on his face when he was playing. He was one of the greatest little competitors I've ever met in my life. Loved the game, loved winning, but he played. He loved every moment inside that gym, much like his coach did. Reggie Lewis, I used to have to throw Reggie out, God rest his soul. One of the great players I ever coached, who, quite frankly, would have been in the Hall of Fame with, if he hadn't had the unfortunate death. And I, I, I guess when they embody... Not only your philosophy, but your passion and love for something that changed my life, saved my life in many, many ways. You know, it's homework and it left college because my dad had died and then, and they got a scholarship back to college and my life changed drastically. Reggie, the same thing. God rest his soul. Kimba, now an NBA All-Star. To have the game do that to you and great appreciation of what the game can do. And that's kind of what I pass on to my kids at St. Joe's. Not necessarily NBA but what this great game can do for you. And Campbell Walker, I got to admit, I never thought he'd have this kind of – I knew he could stick in the league. I never thought he'd be this kind of player. He had a lot more inside him than I realized. I mean, he, he really – that guy, uh, for what he has, he has become one heck of an NBA player. He's a terrific NBA player, and i give you a quick thing. You know, we, in his senior – junior, excuse me, we won the great – the Maui Invitational. Three big wins. We beat uh, – uh, we beat a certainly very good uh, – uh, which our state team, we beat a very, very good uh, Michigan State team, and then we blow out Kentucky. Kim is averaging 30, and he gets the MVP. And you know how it is in college athletics or any athletics. Everybody's saying, you know, if Coach gave him the ball, could be me, could be me. And there's jealous and everything. Not that it, it's out there, but you can feel it. Well, he gets on the bus. We're in Hawaii, in Maui. Never forget this. Mike, the entire team stood up as he get on the bus and started clapping. Wow. Hey, no envy, no jealousy. Love for what Kimber had done for us and for himself, and and that's the kind of person he was because they knew it was great love for the game. That's unbelievable, and yeah, so and really, so that you've had, and you had so many. You were lucky. You had you had such a run of guys, and you know that's what you built there, which was amazing. But you got the players to buy in. I think you stole a little bit from Carolina that you got your players to buy into that program, and then go out and be an extension of the program and bring in the next group of guys, right? Which is what Carolina always did. Yeah, and what you had to show them. Because, you know, everybody talks about we, and they're 100% right, the we has to win. But i got to show them why the me benefits so much from the we. By that, I mean, if we're great, well, they're going to look at you in the NBA or in Europe or wherever it may be. And no one ever hires people from losing companies. Well, no one really cares about people, unfortunately, from losing teams. We all benefit when we win. And that's where the me gets taken care of. And that was the most important thing I had to do. And, you know, it was a different era. You know, we, we only had one one and done. Nineteen kids left early for the NBA. Only one left early. Andre Drummond and probably should have after his freshman year. Well, if there was a smart coach out there right now who wanted to learn this game, he should come up and volunteer to work for you for nothing on uh, 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 when you build this thing because that would be an education he couldn't buy, that's for sure. If I was going to be a coach and I was 20 years old coming out of college, 22 years old, that's why I'd be the first one knocking on your door and say, I'll, I'll work for free. Well, I, I've got a newsflash for America. I just got another application from my number two assistant. How about Francesca and I taking on officials? How bad <laughs> that would that go? <laughs> that, they, they wouldn't work the games. 
No, we, we, what we do is we go through so many officials that, that, that you and I, we, we spend the most of the time in the locker room after we get thrown out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just got, I got a great application. And as soon as you leave the radio, the next day you may get a phone call from a guy up in here. And there you go. I, I, I tell you, I might take that on. You know, that, I, that, that would be more fun than anything I could think of. Well, listen, good luck to you. I'm going to watch this. I'm going to come up and see a game. I want to come up when you, when you, when you guys are ready to play. I'm going to come up and watch. I'd love to have you, Mike. Thank you. Good luck to you and be well. Thanks. Thanks. Jim Calhoun, uh, St. Joe's. See, look at, that's the thing. Jim Calhoun's done everything he can do. Everything. He's, you know, he's accomplished everything. He's won multiple national championships. He's at the top of the profession. He's got plenty of money, more than he ever dreamed. I guarantee you more than he ever dreamed of having in his life by a lot, a wide margin. And he can't stay away from the gym. And he wants to go back. And I tell you, I'm serious. If I was 22 and I wanted to be in this game as a coach, I'd go up there and say, hey, I'll sweep the gym floor. Just teach me basketball. And you'll get a job. You, you take that. You work two years for him. You can go work anywhere in the country after doing that because you're going to get a heck of an education back after this.